are in the middle of a road trip, and it has not been going so hot. Two blown leads, a loss to probably the worst club in the league. How are we feeling about this little road swing so far, Nick? That was just a really frustrating handful of games there. It feels like the Leafs let some points get away from them. They gave up a lead on Saturday night to Colorado. They managed to salvage a point, but let one get away and had another lead against Vegas and had to scrape and claw to manage to get two points out of that. And the, the worst thing of all is that they only managed three out of six points in these three games, and none of those points came against the Arizona Coyotes. You can say what you want about them getting goalied or whatever, but the fact remains they didn't get the job done against, like you said, the worst team in the league and maybe one of the worst teams the league has seen in a number of years, especially with the injuries and COVID situation going on down there. Like an already bad roster was thinned out even more. Uh, a bad night for the Leafs. Disappointing to not come away with two points against that team. Yeah, it's it's weird to be kind of the the happiest with the the loss to the Coyotes than you know the, the games where they got points in them. But I mean, they, they, you know they, they they got the win in Vegas. They did what they needed to do, but obviously it was ugly. I think the concern with something like this is that you start to kind of see some bad habits creep in, and just kind of see them take the foot off the gas. And for a team that's you know been knocked pretty heavily on not having like the killer instinct to be able to kind of step on some throats when, when they have the chance. I think that that's, that's the most concerning thing, but it's a road trip that half the team's coming off having COVID. It, like they haven't, you know, if you're going, there's, there's some excuses. Exactly. There's some excuses baked into this. It's ultimately kind of the dog days of the season right now. It's, it's nothing. I don't, you know, the sky's not falling here um, by any means, but it's, it's enough to be like, it's noticeably, you know, poorer hockey than they had been playing before this trip. You know what I will say, though, is I like the way that Sheldon Keefe addressed it following the game against Arizona. It, you said there there was a number of excuses that could be made. He could have pointed to the fact that they drastically outshot the opposing team. But instead, he, he, he wasn't really happy with their performance, or at least he didn't let on as if he was. And he, he pointed to some areas of concern that popped up to him during that game, pointed to the fact that, the, the club looked fatigued, and I, I just think that, you know, not letting it slide as just getting goalied and allowing the team to get complacent and those kind of things will maybe help limit the, these cold stretches going forward. No, you, you can't you can't let that slide because, like, that's – I mean, like you said, it's the quality of the team you're facing. That is a – glorified CHL team over there and you took it to them all night and like one of the more concerning things for me is like as much as they had the puck all night and you know racked up the the shot total at some point when the goalie is shutting you down like that like bodies to the net like you you just have to start charging and try to get something ugly because like you know they kind of had it going it felt like the first 10 minutes or so they it seemed like they were Mm going to throttle them and then they kind of became comfortable in that fact and said well we'll we'll get there eventually and then you know the the control just started to slip from there well that's the biggest concern probably overall from from these three games is just seeing that kind of creep back into their game, the difficulty to get inside with the puck in the offensive zone and get those chances. Like you said, they, they had a ton of shots. It was a lot of stuff from the outside against the, the Coyotes. And it, it, you have to be able to get into those scoring areas with more consistency if you're going to be able to fight through nights like that one. Yeah, you, but you, you think about the, the Matthews one-timer and then that sequence where they made he made like three saves in a row. Like 
It's oh, not yeah. like the the forty whatever shots. It's not like forty five of them came from the perimeter. There was some pretty substantial chances. It's e- like it's easy to get frustrated with a game like that. But I I, I also kind of at some point you you kind of don't have control over how the other goalie plays. And I know it's tired to talk about getting goalied and everybody freaks out about it. Uh, it's just it's a real thing, unfortunately, and it doesn't just happen to the Leafs. It happens to other teams too. Like there's like. It, there's not much that they could have done differently in my, from watching that game last night, apart from just have some bounces. And then the other thing is they probably made two mistakes on the night and both of them ended up in the back of the net. So I don't think Mrazek was like awful or anything. He made a couple saves. He didn't really have to be great, but the first goal is not obviously not his fault, but the second goal, he probably could have played a little better. He missed that poke check and pretty much put it right on single stick. But I don't know. It's just a weird game. Like, there's not much. I don't know. It's it's hard to kind of analyze. Yeah. Um, speaking of Mrazek, now, like, I, I have something to say. Now, listen. Like, we aren't really in the business of ripping people. Uh, <laughs> other than other than Neil Pionk, George Peros, uh, Gary Bettman, Matt Nagy, <laughs> uh, the guy who produced that would-be new Leafs goal song there last week, the Bill Lambeer, all of whom we've ripped in the last few episodes. Yeah. But, <laughs> uh, but even by our very compassionate standards, we have not been particularly kind to Justin Hall on this podcast. <laughs> and I am not about to start right now. Uh, I, I understand that the game moves fast. I've played defense. You're in front of the net. You're trying to keep one eye on the play and the other on your man. And you're trying to clear the crease and you're trying to avoid getting a puck in the mouth. And, and obviously it's all much faster at the NHL level, though. Again, I wouldn't necessarily say that the competition on Wednesday night was NHL level. I digress. <laughs> All that said, who the fuck lays the lumber on their own goalie? That was one of the more remarkable things I've ever seen. Like, uh, I, I think it was Steve Dangle that had that said something about it today, and he was like, like it, he said something along the lines of like, you ever watch something happen and then immediately tell yourself it didn't happen? <laughs> like, that's kind of how it. I, I yeah. saw it and I was like, no, that there's no way that wasn't real. <laughs> it, was, it, it reminded me of when Line A just came and like wired the puck into his own net. It was like his brain defaulted to shoot puck into net. And, <laughs> yeah. and it was like Hall just saw a body and he had to try and cross check it, you like, know, around the blue paint. It's like he but, forgot uh, he was wearing white. Like he just he just saw a jersey and hit it. <laughs> the funniest part for me was you know when you're like you see a clip on twitter and it ends and it just repeats itself over and over again and it's such a short clip so it's just repeating justin hall cross-checking peter morassic out of the crease uh it's just one of the funniest things i've seen oh man but morassic not not necessarily you know the best start to his tenure with the leafs but kind of unfortunately what you the the bad things that you've heard about Mrazic, which is the inability to stay healthy and the kind of you know uh, stretches of not great play and stuff like that. So I, I'm I'm reserving judgment on him until we you know see a bit of a larger sample, like probably till the end of the year. But I don't know if, and we don't have to get into heavy off season talk or anything. But I don't know if the way that he plays for the rest of the year is going to have any bearing on whether or not I want him keep them because i just think they're they're going to need a cheaper backup unfortunately um but it's just going to come down to how like nick you said this before it's going to come down to how 
how he plays is going to matter in, in regards to what they can do to move him and how much value he has. I, I just want to know what was going through his head. Like I, I'm over <laughs> trying to figure out what Hall was thinking. I'm I've become more fascinated with like which particular like synapses in Mrazik's brain were ticking that have never ticked before. Where he's like, did he just fucking hit me? That's the exact. Do I have to hit him back? That was the exact body language that Mrazik gave in that instance. So it was just it's so comical. I would love for someone to ask Justin Hall about it and just see if he would answer at all. <laughs> uh, Justin Hall is usually. Good pretty good for quotes in the media i think if if you ever were able to sit him down and show him that clip and ask him about it i think you'd, you'd get some gold i'd be happy to sit him down yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, one of the things that you can say from these last few games matthews has been absolutely clipping yeah. uh, four goals in three games um, what is he two back you know, of he's dry just sidle now for- two back a dry sidle now yeah so he's He's looking quite nice, um, getting lots of ice time as well, and uh, just a, a, an absolute menace out there every time he's on. Yeah, and named captain of the Atlantic Division All-Star team uh, earlier today, just before we started recording this. It's Thursday night right now. Uh, yeah, he's just been on a tear. He he looks like the best player on the ice practically every time he steps foot out there. Uh, he could have had... F- I don't know how many goals against Arizona. It was nice to see him break through in the third there. Um, but he, he just keeps doing what he's been doing for the the last few years, and that's just scoring at a ridiculous pace. Uh, it, it's it gotten to the point where you, you almost kind of start taking it for granted, but it, he's been phenomenal, and uh, he's a, a big part of why the Leafs have had so much success so far this season, and he's going to be a big part of coming out of this little slump they're in yeah i mean there really isn't much to say about matthews that that hasn't been said like it's 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 crazy to to think that's kind of like what you just said about taking it for granted but it's it's not really i don't know there's there's nothing really much more that you can say and i I thought it was funny that uh chris johnson had that kind of hit on hockey on not hockey or whatever i think it was was basically like are we not talking about matthews enough or like not are we not kind of uh, giving that the appreciation that it deserves? And that went over really well with the rest of the Canadian hockey fan base. <laughs> he had a nice, long, hard think about hitting the Michigan there oh. on Wednesday, uh, too. It, it, it's, he's going to nail it eventually. Yeah, There's that's been three a, or a four few times. Probably two or three yeah. times that he's tried it. If that's not th- yeah, that's three minutes left in the period, if that's fresh ice and a fresh tape job blade, like that's... That he just it just slipped off. Like when I don't know if you guys have ever tried yeah. to do that, but it's impossible. Well, it's not impossible. I, I can't but even it's, like lift the puck. Up, oh, I can do like it, that, but it right. has to be like the second you stepped on the ice for a warm up when you're like you just put fresh wax on your blade and there's like no snow on the ice whatsoever. As soon as it got snowy, it's it's fucking really hard to do. But yeah, that's what it looked like to me. Like he got it up, and then there's just so much snow, it just kind of slid off. Yeah, I was more of a dump and chase guy. <laughs> I, I wasn't pulling off anything like that with the pocket <laughs> my stick. No, not happening. Like you could see it. Like I, as soon as he went back there, and he had like I don't know if I'm just waiting for it to happen, but every time that they give him a little bit of space, I'm expecting it. And and on that particular play, like a split second before he tried it, I was like, he, he's he's going to try it. He's got yeah. way too much room. They've they left him way too much room. So um, yeah, that's going to be fun whenever it does mm-hmm. happen. Uh, 
Nick, you wrote about William Nylander as well, and that came out earlier today, Thursday. Um, who you know he he is like we talk about Matthews, but I mean Nylander's consistency and like the the danger that he is out there to score every time he's pretty much on the ice, or at the very least, like even if he's having kind of an off night, the way he can, you know crank it up for a, a few shifts and he's pretty much going to end with a night's worth of chances by the end of it um he, he's been unbelievable this year yeah well I think the biggest thing with Nylander is those those off nights are far less frequent than they were in the first few years of his career um I, I kind of alluded to it in that piece and it's something that we've all talked about it's it's been a, a point of discussion since uh, his 31 goal season but Nylander's taken it upon himself to to get the puck into those dangerous areas a lot more often. He's generating a lot more chances from in closer to the net. And we all know he's got great skill in tight. He can execute those skilled plays under pressure. And that's what's helped make him a more sustainable goal scorer and a more sustainable threat on a consistent basis. Uh, he, he has been arguably the Leafs' most consistent skater all season long. Um, outside of Jack Campbell, you can probably say he's he's been their best player. And it, it, the added responsibility that he's taken on this year, he's just kind of really come into his own. And, and we're really finally starting to see, you know, the player that he always believed he could be and, and that a lot of us believed he could be. Yeah, and you, you just kind of see, like, different parts of his game mature over the years. And, like, obviously a guy that faced a ton of unfair criticism throughout his tenure in the league but also you know had had some warts in his game like he, he clearly wasn't playing like this you know two years ago three years ago but you just I see him a lot more physically engaged now like on the boards yeah and, you know he was a guy that that was not afraid of a, of a flyby in the corner um yeah and he's not doing that you know and and he's picking his spots like I'm sure he's you know he's not going to necessarily fly in and you know get in deep and try to, you know, absorb a hit on the boards all the time, but you're seeing him do it a lot more now. And you're seeing him win those battles like below the goal line too. It's, it's not something that I, I, as a huge fan of his ever kind of thought would round into his game, but he's, he's, he's just come so far with that kind of, you know, relentless forecheck and just getting to the net. Um, super impressive season and super impressive just every night. He just does something different that kind of wows you. Yeah. it, It feels like, um, where, you know, previously, like he was kind of content to let the play move away and, and felt confident that it would come back to him or whatever. He'd put himself in a position like now he's he's sticking with the play mm-hmm. like he is creating and and uh, just driving things, you know, in all three zones in, in just a much uh, more consistent fashion, I feel, than, than he had been. Um Nick, you mentioned already Austin Matthews, named captain of the Atlantic All-Stars. Uh, Jack Campbell's also on that team. What a story, hey? And I know we, we, we kind of, we've done this a number of times, but it, it's just so cool to see Campbell reach this point and, and get that kind of recognition after everything that he's gone through to this point in his career. And, and he, beyond well-deserving with the season that he's putting up right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um like it almost would have been a shame if he didn't just based on like the calendar year he's had, right? Yeah. Like it's incredible. Um, he's been, you know, Leafs MVP probably this season. Um, I, I don't know if it's a sure thing that the, the 11th player on the roster is going to be a Leaf, but you got to feel like it's pretty likely. 
You got to think that between but, Tavares, Tavares, Nylander, Nylander Riley, Riley. will all have a shot at that. I would say. I think I but saw it, something. Yeah. I think I saw something. I could be wrong here. Um, that that there's like a uh, last man vote, and there, yeah. and they Nylander's not on it. Neither's Riley. It's only certain players. Yeah. I think I saw that too. I wasn't sure if that was like a, a list of favorites or a maybe list it of, is. So, but so uh, Tavares uh, is the only Wyshynski one. Wyshynski right? had a tweet saying like the guys that weren't named to the last man ballot. Tavares is on it, but like Panarin, Shesterkin's not on it. Marchand's not on it. Ekblad, Nylander, Riley, a lot of really good players. So, I mean, listen, everybody freaks out every year when this happens. It, it's been uh, you know a few years now that they've done this like three on three small roster, you know, not having or having representation for every team. The all-star game is not for the people that live on Twitter reading hockey no. content 24-7 yeah. like we do. It's for casual fans and kids. <laughs> like, exactly. relax a bit when you're, when you're going to write your think piece about the fact that there wasn't enough, you know, whatever team or this guy didn't deserve or this guy, you know what I mean? Like, eh, it's not really for you. Yeah, I think that what people get hung up on there is just, you know, they want to see their guy get recognition. And when they feel that, you know, one a player that they cheer for has been, I don't know, snubbed for snubbed. lack of a better yeah. term. No, in, I know. In, in favor of a player who, you know, a lesser player who, who needs to be there because his team doesn't have anyone, you know, that's good enough to be there on merit or whatever. I kind of get that frustration. But as you said, it, it's, it really isn't a big deal in the grand scheme of things. Just kind of nice to see your guys get that uh, tip of the cap. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. Are, are you going to be paying uh, more attention or less attention to this than you will be to the Canadian men's Olympic hockey team less because it's yeah it's going to be way down there for both I think I'll be paying attention <laughs> to the all-star game less but um, I'll definitely be paying attention to the all-star game less might tune guys, into I'll, be, the I'll be watching I'll be watching long track speed skating before I watch either of those at the Olympics <laughs> like it's they're both they're way down there <laughs> Yeah. Well, we're going to have to watch the Olympics, boys. I don't know if you saw the news earlier this evening. A couple of uh, Leafs prospects heading to Beijing to represent the U.S. Yep. Matthew Nyes, the second rounder from the last draft. And uh, maybe a, a little bit more surprisingly, uh, Nick Abruzzesi, who's a fourth rounder in 2018, I believe it was, or, or t- perhaps 2019. Um, either way... Abrazesi has been tearing it up at Harvard. He missed all last year, but uh, his freshman year at Harvard, he he racked up awards, had a, a huge season there, and he he's just kind of picked up where he left off so far this season. Nice to see him get that uh, that opportunity to go over there. He, he's a guy that we could potentially see, you know, either with the Leafs or the Marlies at the end of the season, whenever the NCAA schedule wraps up. He he's already 22 years old he'll be heading into his senior year next season so uh it's a good chance that he's ready to turn pro but yeah matthew nyes is the one that i think everyone's really excited to see especially at that level it, it looks like it's going to be a bit more of an entertaining tournament than we saw last time around uh, the the competition level looks like it's going to be a little bit higher well nyes specifically because of the fact that we just you know kind of got robbed of seeing him play at the world juniors so it's a bit of a letdown so to to get him back on a big stage to to watch him is is what's exciting to me have like what's the deal with the the european guys have they i haven't been kind of following along with this but has there been any announcements on any other countries yet 
I haven't caught any of the other official rosters yet. I, I still think Nimala's probably got a, a good chance of playing for the Finnish squad, but uh, nothing's official yet. Yeah, I, I was hoping to see Nyes maybe just be deployed as like a, a torpedo here for USA <laughs> at the Olympics. But like looking at this roster, he might be a top six guy. I, I don't know. I think the Daily Faceoff podcast had him as like a third line player, but who knows? Yeah, I saw a graphic that had, I know it said that these weren't the actual forward lines or whatever, but they had him listed down the middle and he's not going to be playing center. He'll be on no. the wing. I think uh, his teammate from Minnesota is also on uh, Team USA, Ben Myers. Uh, I think there's a good chance. They play together at Minnesota, and uh, I think there's probably a good chance that they end up on the same line together at the Olympics as well. And hopefully we get a chance to maybe see them play pro together somewhere down the line. I think Ben Myers is going to be a guy. He's a, he's a NCAA free agent at the end of this season, and uh, he's went undrafted. He's going to be a, a guy that a lot of NHL teams are trying to scoop up when the, when the college season wraps up. Hopefully the Leafs are in on that, and I'm, I'm sure they will be after watching him play alongside Nyes all season. Right. Yeah, my, my focus will be a lot more on the uh, the women's side, although I'll be tuning in to see Nyes a bit. But uh, the Canadian women are looking to avenge their loss in 2018. Um, I, I feel like we've all got a pretty good idea of what the final is going to be in this uh, this one, but <laughs> yeah. who knows, right? Blair Turnbull, uh, Jill Saunier, uh, Nova Scotians, both heading back to... Uh, to the national team um, as veterans. And of course, Marie-Philippe Poulain will be captain and will undoubtedly score one, two, maybe three absolutely clutch huge goals that will end up in like the pantheon of uh, Canadian hockey lore. Um, She's got a few already. tends to happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so some interesting names on, on this as well. Sarah Fillier specifically. I was going to say, she's the one I'm really excited about, Cam. Uh, like Watching her at the uh, Women's Worlds, she was a standout for me. A, a newer player to the program and uh, just someone that she could really inject some offensive punch behind the big names on the, the Canadian roster. Yeah, it's going to be a good uh, battle, as always, between the Canadians and the Americans and uh, building towards this one for a while. So uh, looking forward to the women's tournament as things get kicked off there. Uh, next up for the Leafs, they are in St. Louis, and then the road trip wraps up uh, with a couple of games in New York against the Rangers and the Islanders. Uh, needless to say, looking forward to better performances, hopefully, to, to close this out. I mean, th- there have been lots of good, like, stretches, you know, the, through the first three games of this road trip. But it's just, it's just the closing out, which, you know, when it's such a sensitive subject, you just like to see them be a little better on that, you know? Yeah, and that's the funny thing is it is really a, a sensitive topic amongst Leafs fans, uh, understandably so. But it really is a kind of a – there's a lot of luck involved with it as there is in hockey in general. And I think, you know, you, you play that game against the Coyotes and, you know, 19 times out of 20, the, the Leafs come away victorious in that. So I, yep. trust the process, uh, keep playing well, but again – you know, don't get complacent. And I think Sheldon Keefe's got his finger on the pulse of this team pretty well. We talked about that a lot earlier in the season after watching the uh, Amazon series. And, yeah. and I, I think that uh, this is all just a part of, of building towards the, their ultimate goal and 
clicking at their best at the the most important time. Well, it's going to be, you know, barring any anything happening in the next few days, this is going to be the fully healthy lineup, I think, on Saturday. Yeah, I think Mariner and Engvall are supposed to rejoin the team uh, in St. Louis or, or before the team went to St. Louis uh, out of Arizona there. So it'll definitely be nice to get Mariner back. Uh, he's been out so long that it's just kind of started to feel normal without him there. But uh, he's been a big absence and one that's really difficult to fill. There's not too many players in the world like Mitch Mariner, and there certainly isn't another one on this roster like him. So to get him back, I think, is going to be a huge boost. Um, It'll just kind of – we talk about this a lot too, but it'll bump everyone back down a peg. You get Andre Kasha back on that third line. I think when you've got that – And now the McKayev's there too. Exactly. They've only had the one game together. Yeah, so for Keefe to get his ideal third line and Kasha will, you know, add a lot to that group, I think kind of it helps Mikheyev in the cycle game and driving play and transition and stuff like that, whereas Camp is kind of more defensive-minded and doesn't really push play too much in the offensive end. I think Kasha and Mikheyev together could be a, a pretty difficult duo to handle for, for opposing defenders. So yeah, it'll definitely be nice to get the, the full complement of forwards back. Engvall back down on the fourth line, get some speed in there. It'll be referendum time on Nick Ritchie again. Oh, yeah. Now do Engvall. <laughs> Tell us how much you are excited to get Engvall back in the lineup, too. I love Pierre Engvall. Everyone knows this. <laughs> never, never said a bad thing about him. Crickets. But, I mean, he, man, the fourth line has not looked good without him. Like no, the bottom, I, or the, the I, bottom six in general, really. Again, he's slowly been building. Like Pierre Engvall is kind of... You know, e- eased my concerns for the most part this season with the way that he's played. Uh, he he was great filling in for Mikheyev on that third line when he had to. Um, and, yeah, I know, I know Cam's loving this, that I'm just eating it here right on the podcast. But, <laughs> but yeah, no, Engvall's been good. No complaints for me. Yeah, two, two guys that I think a lot of people had off the roster this year um, in him and Kerfoot have been pretty good. Kerfoot especially. He's been awesome. Uh, but I think, like you said before, having everybody pushed down a little bit, uh, and obviously that means probably no no Nick Ritchie, which is a net positive, I think, at this point. Um, and this is like I defended Ritchie for a while, but there's uh, not really much there's not really much left to defend with that guy, unfortunately. He's it's just, like no dig up, stupid. Like, yeah, it, like this guy gets another chance, and he goes out there and takes another fucking boneheaded penalty, and it's not even like a hockey play. It's just being stupid, and and, and and completely erases the fact that he scored. Like yeah, he like, he, like no one's talking about the fact that he came back in his first game and scored a goal after you know some hardship. It's that he came back and took a stupid fucking penalty. Yeah, and yeah, and, and said I and said I'm googling if there's a such thing as double waivers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Blues Saturday, Nick, you're gonna be uh, you're gonna be a little distracted. You're gonna have. I'll some, probably be um, on PVR Saturday night, boys. <laughs> Big game for the Bills. How are we feeling heading into Super Wild Card Weekend? Uh, it's uh, it, it's got vibes of like heading into the playoffs against the Habs last season, and not necessarily like the stature of the teams, but in the sense that. God, it will be fucking sweet to beat the Patriots in the playoffs, but oh my God, if they put us out, it's just going to be devastating. And uh, yeah, with 
bur- what was it? burn me once shame on me right so <laughs> um, it, yeah, long road as a sports fan of uh, being disappointed in situations like this but uh, I, I'm confident in, in the bills I think Josh Allen is uh, he's still got a bit of a chip on his shoulder from that first loss against the Patriots earlier this season, and the whole team should have a chip on their shoulder from that one. They, they straight up got embarrassed, outcoached, outplayed, everything. Um, yeah, really looking forward to Saturday night. Uh, it's going to be a, a fun game to watch. Um, Keith, <clears throat> I mean, we, we, we talked about some NFL stuff on our latest Patreon episode, but um, the what we were hoping for has come to pass. Yep. The Bears, free of the clutches of Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace. See, but now you just have to be worried about how they're going to fuck up the hiring. So it's yeah. it's you know it's one one kind of headache to another with the uh, absolute just debacle of a press conference that McCaskey put on. Um, I think I, I saw somebody say I, I forget who it was now, but it was one of the Bears beat reporters that said like you know. An NFL source told me they're like this is going to be tape that they play in like PR school on like what not to say in a press conference and how to not conduct it. Did you see when he he transitioned from the the like death of one of the like oh my god beat reporters yeah. that's been like with the the Bears for a long time to the fact that he had a 16 year old son and so did Matt Nagy and Matt Nagy's son got booted his high school football game. And that's not right. And it was like just the most awkward transition of all time. And <laughs> yeah. And the fact that, uh, yeah, they, they just, they don't really seem to have a clear direction. Now that said, they seem to be high, or interviewing the right people. Um, or at least interviewing the people that were, you know, to be expected. I was kind of concerned they were just going to go out of left field and just do something catastrophically dumb. But yeah, you're coming after our guys. Well, everybody All is though, them. That's the thing, right? Every, coming after every, everyone's guys too. Like they're interviewing. They're they're they've reached out to more people than your average like uh, credit card. <laughs> someone trying to sign you up for a credit card at the grocery store. They plan. On, I heard they plan on interviewing ten of ten for each each position and then whittling it down to in-person interviews because they've just been zoom interviews, but there's, there's smoke around Harbaugh, which I, I find is interesting because a lot of people you read are, are like, there's no way he's leaving Michigan. And then there's people who are like, ah, he would for the right amount of money. So it's like, uh, I don't know that that seems to be an interesting fit, but I don't, I, there's some, there's some GM kind of candidates that I think would be interesting too, but uh, the Harbaugh talk seems to have shifted to Miami now that they've fired Flores the for some yeah. reason because the owner has a, the Michigan connection and they have the business schools like named after him there or something. Yeah, so if, if Harbaugh's going to leave, yeah. he's going to want him to come to Miami rather than Chicago. But um, yeah, it's it's interesting. I, I like the Bears talking to Flores. They are running a huge smear campaign on him on the way out the door uh, because everyone is just shitting on the owner for that decision. But yeah, I um, love the Dolphins firing Flores. I think he's a, a really good coach, and I think they made a big mistake there. You know, as the Dolphins tend to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So be an interesting weekend. Um, good luck, pal. Yep, we'll be rooting on from. Uh, Appreciate from- it, boys. Appreciate it from the uh you know confines of um another playoff list well, i know you guys are both closet bills fans anyway because you know it, it, who wants to really cheer for the bears right it's more like a soft spot <laughs> uh, I'll, 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 I'll grant you that i just think like 
proximity to the rest of my favorite sports teams and the shared kind of heartache and misery. Um, which you is you part can of, relate, part of, right? It's part of the reason why I chose the Bears. So, yeah. <laughs> the Bills employ the reason that I chose the Bears. Mitchell Trubisky, the MVP. Pro Bowl. Yeah. That's Pro Bowl. Brilliant pro football mind over here. Well, we, we only had him on a one-year deal, so I'm hoping that he's played his last uh, down as a Buffalo Bill because if we have to see him at all in the playoffs, uh, it's not going to be good. <laughs> yeah, something's gone very wrong. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, let's, let's wind this one down. Before we wrap up, though, East Coast ha- had a pretty uh, tragic loss in the music community because we, we talk about East Coast music. I thought we should kind of uh, mention this quickly on the way out. Um, Cody Chasen, who w- was a member of the band The East Pointers, died suddenly last week. Uh, he was just 37. Um, the East Pointers, man, they're my favorite. Like, straight up, they that's my ass. favorite band. Yeah. Um, Great group. For, for a number of years now. Um Cody and his cousin Tim Chasen and Jake Charon. Um So, I mean, this is uh, uh, like just a, it, it was a devastating thing to wake up to on Friday morning last week. Um, Nick, I, I know that like you've crossed paths with Cody. I, I, I like I, I probably would have bumped into Cody a couple of times. I, I know Tim a lot better, but um, didn't know Cody super well. But I believe you've bumped into him a few times Um working gigs and that kind of thing, right? Yeah, lucky enough uh, over the years a couple of times uh, during the, the Celtic Colors uh, Festival to uh, to work with the East Pointers, uh, Tim and Cody and Jake. Uh, they, uh, it's a really tight-knit music community on the East Coast here, and uh, we've all kind of been ingrained in it one way or the other. Uh, it, everyone's feeling the, the loss of Cody right now. It's a, it's a heavy... It's a heavy one. Uh, he was just about the sweetest dude you could ever ask to meet and uh, one of the most talented, too. So he's going to be missed. Yeah, he, he was a really open guy. Like yeah. he was um, he had his struggles and he, he was open about them. And um, he helped a lot of people through their dark times, too. And um, just a, a really tragic loss, not only like for the community, but musically as well, man. Like yeah. these pointers, we're, we're going to play a little something here from these pointers and uh, the the musical talent that these guys have is is incredible. So on that front, there's I mean, three of them, and it sounds like there's twelve. Yeah, of them. it's it's uh, amazing stuff. They were they were the last show that I saw really before um, everything shut down. Like I saw them like late in 2019, and like just the way that they get people moving, man. It's just it's such a, an incredible thing, and. Um, I believe the plan is for them to continue to record and, and honor Cody, but um, you know it's it's never going to be the same. That's that's for sure. Um, just uh, an incredible loss for the community, and uh, wanted to introduce you to these pointers. If you, if you haven't heard them, they're um, you know a kind of a Celtic folk group from Prince Edward Island, and you know they've won Junos, um, Canadian Folk Music Awards, ECMAs, Music PEI Awards, and uh, you know they've only been at this thing for what seven or eight years um you know they come from other projects and and the east pointers has had incredible success and uh, uh again just one of my favorites they've got a mix of like instrumental stuff and also some you know vocal tracks as well um but just uh just tough man keith i, I don't know if you want to chime in at all i don't know if you you ever bumped into the guys yeah no i, I haven't re- no i haven't i haven't met them haven't bumped into them but have played you know at 
ECMAs the same time that they've played. And, um, you know, I know, like you said, know of, of Tim a little bit more and some of his solo stuff that he, he had going, uh, before the East pointers, but, um, just a guy that, you know, being in and around the East coast music scene, you know, through just people that I've met, um, that know him, uh, you can kind of see how important he was and, and just how well liked he was. So like you said, it's, it's a huge loss and, being, you know, somebody who has seen them perform, I can, you know, fully kind of vouch with everything you guys were just saying, just like a huge sound of that kind of traditional Celtic kind of East Coast music, but then, you know, a modern spin on it, especially some of their more, um, you know, their singles and stuff that they put out that you would, you know, if you guys listen, you know, people that listen to this in Ontario, and if you are like CBC music listeners or whatever, you're, there's going to be stuff that you would know, probably maybe you don't know the name, but you've heard the songs before. They've got some pretty heavy rotation with some of the stuff. So um, great group. And, uh, you know, a guy that's definitely going to be missed. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Tim is like the nicest, sweetest guy I've I've ever met. And supposedly Cody, like, was he an even nicer, sweeter guy <laughs> yeah. than Tim? So, like, I can't even really quantify that. But, uh, yeah, tremendous loss for the uh, East Coast music community for sure. So wanted to uh, take it out with a little bit of East Pointers uh, on this week's show uh, in, in tribute to the late Cody Chasen. Mm-hmm. 